By now, you've all heard of Italian Wine Unplugged 2.0, the latest book published by Mama Jumbo Shrimp. It's more than just another wine book. The fully updated second edition was inspired by students of the Vinitali International Academy and painstakingly reviewed and revised by an expert panel of certified Italian wine ambassadors from across the globe. The book also includes an edition by Professore Attilio Scienza, Italy's leading vine geneticist. The benchmark producer's feature is a particularly important aspect of this revised edition. The selection makes it easier for our readers to get their hands on a bottle of wine that truly represents a particular grape or region. To pick up a copy, just head to Amazon.com or visit us at MamaJumboShrimp.com. Welcome to this special Italian wine podcast broadcast. This episode is a recording off Clubhouse, the popular drop-in audio chat. This Clubhouse session was taken from the Wine Business Club and Italian Wine Club. Listen in as wine lovers and experts alike engage in some great conversation on a range of topics in wine. If you enjoy listening, please consider donating through italianwinepodcast.com. Any amount helps cover equipment, production, and publication costs. And remember to subscribe and rate our show wherever you tune in. We've been doing this religiously, rigorously, thanks to Leica's hard work, because it is not so easy to coordinate everybody's agenda. We've been doing this for a year and a half without missing a beat, uh, meaning weeks, and we have come to 86 in terms of number of episodes. And believe it or not, these are the one of the more popular um, episodes because I guess our audience is quite geeky. Because, you know, listening to an hour of this deep dive into um, conversation about wine and winemaking and wine people, um, I didn't think it would work at first. But I think um, I'm very pleased with it. I hope you are, too. And I suppose let's get on to the show today. And today our mod... Uh, it, her name is Andrea Ebby. We all know and love her. I just saw Andrea. Ciao, Andrea. How are you, and- Andrea? I'm well, thank you. Where are you now? I'm in London right now. So, yeah, what is going on? You're between London and Canada? Between London and Canada. I mean, mostly because right now I'm doing a lot of studying for my Master's of Wine exam. So I'm here in London for the next couple of weeks judging at uh, International Wine uh, Challenge and at Decanter. So... Getting lots of tasting uh, experience. So, how are the how are the um, what is the main difference between Decanter and International Wine Challenge and and you judge also at five stars recently? What are the differences? Oh, um, I would say like at International Wine Challenge, it's a very sort of like kind of casual atmosphere. In the fact that they don't give you chairs. <laughs> what? Yeah, yeah. You have to. It's like an it's an active judging experience because you stand for the entire day. Holy shit! I didn't know that. Yeah. And how many like how many grueling hours do you have to stand? Yeah, you do like three hours in the morning and then have lunch and then another three or four hours in the afternoon. So yeah. All standing. Yeah, I know. Oh my god, I didn't know that. I need a TikTok of that. That's pretty funny. I, I'll try and take some uh, video for you. <laughs> but um, yeah, no, it's uh, it's great because you kind of work with um, each day. You're kind of put with a new sort of team of people, 
And so it's great for kind of, you know, keeping up in connections and meeting new people. You get lots of chance to chat with one another. And it's kind of very collaborative judging process. Right. And it's also like, you know, you can go from like, you know, I remember last year I had like a flight of eight Argentinian Malbecs followed by eight Swedish Solaris, right? So it's like, oh my goodness, Swedish Solaris. I only, I think I've tasted once um, in Paris, like, a couple of months ago. Yeah, so it's really kind of neat that way because you never know where you're going to end up. Well, you're not going to, there's no uh, chance in hell you'll get Solera for your MW. I mean, Probably. I'm pretty sure about that. <laughs> Probably not, but uh, it does keep your mind open about the possibilities. Right. What could this be? And then uh, decanter, yeah, it's a little more sort of like um, sort of regimented in the sense that you're assigned to particular areas. So generally, I spend quite a bit of time in Italy there. So this week I've got, uh, yeah, um, Valpolicella one day. and Yeah, because it's a large, large um, competition. Yes. So you really have a lot of wines in each of these kind of categories. And so, and then I also have, I think on the Friday, one day judging Canada, which is nice too. So yeah, it's uh, there and there you're doing, you each have your own computer and you're kind of doing your own notes before you have a discussion. And yeah, it's just a, you know, different systems, but I think they each have their um, you know, their, their benefits and none of them have the, um, analogous perspective like five star does. So that's something. That yeah. That's interesting perspective. <laughs> Definitely some, uh, color to the, to the conversations for sure. So, yeah. Hannah, how many wines are you tasting a day? I, this is all like in, Intel that I need to bring home. <laughs> Say we're, it's usually flights of like 10 or so. I'm just trying to think back to decanter. And you're probably, yeah, it's probably like 90, 90 wines a day. Yeah, so you're doing, yeah, you're doing some serious um, heavy lifting yeah. there. Yeah, Yeah. My, my teeth by Friday are definitely telling me that's enough. Yeah, you've had enough. All right, getting back to the show, that was, I just I was just very curious. Of course, you know, um, for those of you who are unfamiliar, Andrea Ebi is the Italian programs director at the Wine Scholar Guild. And initially, I was always making fun of her, saying, oh, you, are our, you went to our competition. But in reality, we have tons of tons of VIA candidates coming through uh, the Wine Scholar Guild program. Um, and I think it is a very good preparation, a stepping stone to uh, Vinital International Academy. What, what is your thought on that? Yeah, no, I, I definitely think, you know, talking to students that have gone through um, the scholar program, they've, you know, said to me just how much of a uh, benefit it was to to have that kind of foundation before they went into the, the VIA courses. So I think uh, they're quite complementary to one another. We kind of approach things from different angles, you know, in terms of um, Italian wine. And I think, you know, it's always good to kind of learn in that sort of 360 perspective so any way that you can kind of you know get at the knowledge from a different angle I think is always uh, a benefit so yeah I, I like to think that uh, we're helping each other out now. Okay so Andrea when is your exam with the MW is it in uh, June or something? Yes it's like the 6th to the 9th of June. Listen so you're only going for the you've you've passed the theory? I passed theory last year. Yeah, so you're only going for the practical. So, yeah. mi raccomando, Andrea. 
Okay. And when you're done with the damn MW, you have to come back and become an expert, at least. Okay. <laughs> to focus on something else. Yeah, great. All right. And Andrea, so listen, let's go um, on to the show now. Today you are interviewing Diletta Tonello. Why did you choose Diletta? Well, so many reasons, but, um, you know, I think one of the foremost is that, you know, she's such an, not only women in our profession, in our industry, but I think also to like a younger generation in, in the industry, because she has, you know, gone um, through the sort of educational system of winemaking and that sort of thing, and then had some great experiences in Italy and abroad and has gone back to her family's uh, winery and kind of taken over the reins there and done some fabulous things um, at the winery. But then also, you know, thought, hey, let's become the president of the consortium as well. And so, you know, she's really inspirational in her kind of vision for um, the Latini area and, you know, the potential of uh, the Durala grape. And so, you know, from that professional perspective, I think she has a lot to offer. And I have to confess, uh, we've been friends for about uh, 10 or 11 years now, I guess, since we both uh, we both worked for the Tulane family for a short time um, when she was doing a stage there in Chianti Pasco. So we've known each other for quite a while and I've just come to really respect everything that, uh, that she stands for. Oh, great. How old is she? How old are you, <laughs> Diletta? I know we're... How old are you, Diletta? 22 plus 10. <laughs> ah, okay. I was like 22. Shit. You're really little. You, I could be your mother. Okay. All right. Um, yeah, happy birthday. I'm really excited to um, listen on um, to your conversation because Durello is a very, very different, difficult wine to push. It's, it's so, so high in acidity. I think it's the most acidic um, bollicine, that's for sure. So listen, um, getting back to Andrea for one nanosecond, what are the learning objectives we should expect from your call today with Diletta? Yeah, so I, I hope that by the time we're, we're done chatting that everybody maybe has a little bit of a better understanding um, of maybe the versatility of the Durella grape and kind of the range of wine styles that it's capable of making. Um, I would like people to maybe understand some of the challenges that uh, producers like Diletta face when you're making traditional method wines from uh, sort of varieties outside of those classics like Chardonnay and Pinot Nero, you know, not just in terms of like um, kind of uh, consumer um, awareness for these different kinds of sparkling wines, but also, you know, is Dorello quite difficult to work with in the winery, that sort of thing. Um, and then also to learn a little bit more about the terroir of the Lassini area and just kind of understand that part of the country a little bit more. Okay, great. By the way, um, side note, um, Slavek Kominski writes on the chat, Hello, I'm the one of the example um, Vinital International Academy f through Scholar Program with Andrea. So there you go. Uh, testimonial live. Okay. Listen, Andrea, I am going to leave you now, which, okay. you know, and shut up, which, as you know, never happens. Um, so I'm giving the mic over to you, and then I'll come back to see if there are any questions, if we have any time. 
Okay. Okay. So I'm just going to start by just introducing Diletta. I'll tell you a little bit about her and then we'll start uh, chatting a little bit. So um, Diletta graduated as an agricultural expert at the Trentin um, Agricultural Institute in Longino um, and then went on to university, which led her to become a doctor of viticultural and electrical uh, sciences and technologies at the University of Padua. And after a series of experiences in Italy and abroad, she officially joined uh, her family company, Vini Tonello, in 2014. In 2022, she took over the role of president of the Consorzio Tutela Vini Lessini Dorello, and her mission is to communicate to the world the importance of the region's vines and territory, as well as to promote all the efforts of Lessini Dorello's companies and sellers. So um, lots of accomplishments, oh, sorry, me, pardon me, accomplishments already. And uh, as you heard, only turning uh, 32 tomorrow. So I'm really excited to see uh, what, uh, you know, the future holds for the Lassini area under the leadership of uh, Diletta. So uh, welcome, Diletta. Hi, here you go. <laughs> <laughs> so... Um, is there anything else that you wanted to tell our listeners about yourself or kind of what mm. you're... Yep. Um, first of all, thank you guys. Thank you, Andrea, for, you know, choosing me. And it's an honor also because we are a good friends. And um, since Tolaini experienced a lot of things uh, change. But um, uh, I think the value are the same or something like that. Um, I just want to say that... <laughs> Then uh, probably um, I am a really volcanic woman as my as my terroir. So uh, <laughs> people call me a vulcan woman because uh, I have a lot of energy and I want to use that energy for talk about this uh, this area, which is very important for me. Okay, excellent. So <laughs> what what made you decide to kind of follow in your parents' footsteps and? go the route of becoming a, a viticulturalist and winemaker? Oh, just um, first of all, because it was that favorite. <laughs> and yeah, since I was a child, it always took me everywhere. And I think it was inevitable for me to follow in his footsteps, um, but with my style. <laughs> okay. So, you know, um, you know, when they ask you when you was a child, uh, when you ask what you do, uh, you know, what do you do in the future? What do you, will be your job? And I always answer, I want to do all the jobs in the world. <laughs> so, <laughs> so taking care of the family business has been an uh, opportunity for me, cause to experiment, learn, express myself, and do the most complete job in the world. The okay. Okay. So I think that is the reason why I, you know, follow my dad. Okay. <laughs> And what what have been sort of some of the biggest sort of changes you've implemented in the family business since you started to kind of take things over? Like, well, what has changed? Yeah. Mm -hmm. what, what have you changed, say, in the vineyards or in the winery that um, is maybe a bit of a departure from what your your father was doing? Mm -hmm. um, we actually starting um, to change a, a lot, actually, uh, since the vineyards, because... Um, we start in our organic uh, uh, viticulture, uh, and it takes a lot for my dad, not because he don't trust in it, 
but he, he didn't expect that he can make it, he can do it, you know, in the right way. So I give to him um, three, four years to try without the bureaucracy, you know what I mean? And yeah. after that, since uh, three years ago, something like that, we start the bureaucracy. So uh, we are actually now organic winery since uh, this April, so yeah, since this year, wow. um, and I, I, I change a lot of stuff also in the cellar, because uh, luckily I did a few experience outside uh, the family business, so I learned how to organize the winery, how to organize the work, how to organize people, and also to uh, do experiments, so I change a lot of stuff in the winemaking, and I changed the labels <laughs> and the marketing and stuff like that so yeah um i make this winery i think a little bit much more complete but it's not just by me uh probably i'm a, I'm a lucky person i know a lot of person so a lot of people sorry and um a lot of friend of mine helped me to do this changing you know during these years so i think uh, this is also that thankful to my to my friends, to winemaker friends. Okay. Um, and why why would you like, or what would you like people that are listening today to kind of learn about Dorella as a grape variety? Why do you believe so much in Dorella? Oh, that's a good question. <laughs> um, because it's a new, unique variety. It's actually an indigenous variety. So, and a variety that the um, was always grown in this area. We are between Vicenza and Verona provinces, so it's mostly a uh, eel area. Uh, these areas come from a volcanic eruption 50 million years ago, so it's a aged volcanic soil. Very interesting, actually. Um, but this variety is really unique um, because it's a variety that is looking to the future. Um, this, uh, uh, the acidity that is the, the characteristic of this variety um, makes wine that uh, are good in the ears and um, with the, this uh, climate change uh, the, the grapes are much more mature but the acidity is still very high and uh, one thing that I always said that this variety in the ears is getting younger and not older. You know, the wine is, you feel the wine much more younger than, you know, um, in the years of aging than older, you know, okay. you expect it older. So I think it's really particular variety, amazing for making sparkling wines. So um, is our uh, um, Italian variety for made a good Champignois method, for example. What is the kind of like typical, say, like pH or acidity oh. levels when you harvest it? In a normal year, like 2021, like you got uh, good temperature and good rain, we had one of the best, for my opinion, of course, uh, vintages ever for sparkling wines. And we had 10 or 12 of wow. acidity. <laughs> and the pH is always around 2.90. 2.85, okay. sometimes 3.02, but never, never much more. Okay. So usually you don't have the malolactic done. Right. <laughs> but, okay. you know, if the producer have the style that prefer 
to do a partial malolactic or the complete malolactic of a of the base wine uh, is a style of the winemaker, but usually we don't have malolactic done in our base wine. Uh, last year, with uh, that crazy, crazy, crazy vintage that we have, we have no rain, no rain during the um, um, winter and the autumn. So we have that problem because it's normal that during the summer you don't have too much rain. Um, very hot, hot, hot summer. So we had. Um, um, acidity around eight and nine. The pH was good as well, a little bit high, but not too much. In some some places that are uh, east exposition, uh, you know, of the hill, uh, we got much more uh, acidity, but not too much. Not 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 more than ten. So what was weird, and another weird thing is that we pick it up the base wine at the start of September. We wow. usually pick up uh, the grape uh, from the, the middle of September to the middle of October for the base wine, for the sparkling wine. So that is uh, yeah. Yeah, a big change. Big yeah. change. Hmm. And what is, uh, what is the weather looked like for you this year in terms of the winter? It's been quite dry again, hasn't it? Oh, yeah. It's crazy because you, you can understand the vintage. Uh, before you pick up the grapes, <laughs> because, you, know, <laughs> you start the year. Oh, this will be a bad year, and after that, and you pick up the grapes. You go, wow, very nice, blah blah blah. So um, it's weird. We had a very wet um, autumn and and winter, which is crazy, and we uh, was really really uh, scary about it. Um, we had the the guard lake with a level that. Uh, I don't know when was the last time that we saw a level so um, you know the level of the of the of the lake or, or the level of the sea in in Venice was crazy <laughs> like, okay. like no water at all so uh, it was crazy really but uh, we have a very weird spring it starts okay. very very hot very warm mostly uh, but now it's a little bit much more cool and uh, wet because um, we have rain, we will have rain tomorrow also, and a few weeks of rain, so hopefully we, we, we will have a little bit of uh, rain back, and I, I hope so, actually. Good, good. What, um, what are some of the challenges of growing Dorala? Is it different than other grape varieties in terms of, like, viticulturally, are there things you need to do differently with Dorala, or? Yeah, yeah, it's a very generous variety. Okay. Um, very vigorous. Um, the seventy, I can say probably eighty, seventy, eighty percent of the viticultural. So in the way to grow up the vines is uh, as a pergola veronese, which is the um, technique to grow the vineyards very high, far from the soil, um, um, from far from the humidity, of course. Um, but also because this variety is really generous, as I said, so it makes a lot of leaves, it makes a lot of production. So um, with this kind of um, with the with the, with the pergola, um, it's very good for the expression of the variety. But you have to be careful because you don't have to produce too much, and 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 also you don't have to make a little production. So it, it, it's very important to balance the plant. Um, but it's a very strong variety. Durella names is come from Durasena, which means uh, um, 
grapes with uh, Oh, you're um, cutting out a little bit, Deletta. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yeah, sorry. Can you hear me? Yes, I can yeah, hear you. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Probably the connection is a little bit weird. Okay. okay. Sorry. You So you were saying it means uh, like hard grape with a hard skin. Yeah. The name of Durella comes from Duracina, which means uh, um, grapes with hard skin. Acino kombucha dura. And also for, you know, for the hard wine, hard, you know, very high acidity wine that it's come from these grapes. So the names talk a lot about this uh, variety. Um, the, the, the plant is very strong also um, between the diseases. So um, it's, a, it's actually a mostly easy to grow up, but you have to be careful about the humidity because the grapes is very compact. Uh, you have to be careful to don't do not burn the grapes as a you know grape for base wine for sparkling wine. So yeah, you you, you have you you mostly have to do the work uh, of uh, making grapes for base wine. So like the Chardonnay or the Pinots for the um, for the sparkling wines mostly. Okay, and do you do you grow the Dorella that you use for your still wines? Is it coming from the pergola as well and you're picking it a little bit later or how do you make that distinction oh yeah they are come from uh, the grapes are come from a pergola as well but it's a different vineyard very um, that yeah is a little bit older than the others and makes less quantity of grapes also because the uh, clone of the durella that i use for the steel so for the white uh, wine um, um, is actually um, uh, is actually a clone that makes a small grapes don't make too much production. Also because we pruning very short, um, okay. and uh, yeah, we we do different stuff for that vineyard to uh, to the um, the vineyard that we use for the sparkling wines. Okay, I'm sure there'll be questions about that later because yeah. Most of our listeners love to hear about clones and that sort of thing. So if any of you have uh, questions about that, just jot those down and we can try to get some of those questions later. Yeah. Uh, so why have you decided, and I'm, I'm just looking at this from kind of an outside perspective. Um, I did uh, start importing Diletta's wines into Manitoba oh, probably about how long ago, Diletta's? seven years ago or so oh, and, something like that <laughs> yeah <laughs> and um you know i i recognized that uh you know there was really great quality in the in the sparkling wines that you were making but there was also really great quality in the still wines that you're making from uh Dorella and from garganaga um, yeah. So what is the kind of split in Thank the winery you. in terms of the still wines and the sparkling wines you mean sorry i lost the question sorry <laughs> what is None the percentage like how much of your production is going into sparkling wine oh yeah how much is going into still wines we actually are now making mostly the 70 percent of the production as a sparkling wine champagne was method mostly or i i can say Sparkling wine with the second fermentation in the bottle. Okay. <laughs> so we have a little part that we make called fondo or ancestrale or pet nuts. Right. Um, uh, um, a small part. A big part of champagne was method. 
and the 30% of the production is white wines. Okay. A tiny, tiny, tiny production of red wines within international variety, that, but we sell it here um, close to the winery, to directly okay. to the consumers. But uh, yeah. Okay. And why do you think that, sorry, there's an ambulance going by. <laughs> why? <do you> think, <laughs> That's all right. Why do you think that uh, Dorella is so well suited to those traditional method wines? Oh, um, just the acidity and the, and its ability to kind of, um, I see, I always say that, uh, if you don't do the traditional metal with this variety, it's like you own a Ferrari and you drive it slowly, you know, <laughs> you gotta, you gotta have an Italian indigenous variety that is federal to make excellent traditional metal for the acidity, pH level, um, late harvest. And one of the important things for us, and I say not for only for me and my wine, but all the producers, is that we actually pick up the grapes close to the maturation, okay? okay. So close to the complete maturation, sorry. So we get acidity, but also the maturation. So mostly mature grapes, which means having a sparkling wine, much more mature with with good bodies and and actually uh, at the end are much more interested because you, you feel something more i think okay and what um can you tell the listeners just a little bit about like the different um traditional method wines that you make because you you do have several kind of different wines in your portfolio that are yep. on the yeah but about the traditional metal i made three cuvées Okay. Mm, uh, the third one is um, going out uh, last year, but uh, the the first two we always made it. My my dad started in two thousand to make the champignons method, but in the past he used to make only the the three uh, a wine that stays three years with the lease, no more. He degorged all the bottles. He never ever keep apart <laughs> ten <laughs> bottles. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it was crazy about it because that. Uh, we can, you know, learn if you don't taste something old. Um, but, you know, it was different, uh, different ways to think about it. Um, right. And when I arrived in 2014, we started to make the resale wine as a five-year with the lease. So we mostly have a wine that the younger one is minimum three-year with the lease and is 30. And the oldest one is Aura, which is 16 months. So five years with the lease. Okay. Um, and the middle one, but uh, the new ones is Ulysses, um, which is uh, four years with the lease. But the difference between these three sparkling one is the cuvee, because I am actually, I'm actually lucky because I have the vineyards located in different places, different disposition, different uh, meter of the level from, from uh, meter from you know from uh, the sea level. Um, I got different uh, influence of the soil. And so I can do different blends. So um, Teti, which is the youngest one, is a blend of the vineyards that we have in, in the valley, so down in the valley, and the vineyard that we have in the hills. Aura is uh, only free, um, free run, free run um, juice. Yeah. So um, comes from the, the, the hills part, so free different expositions, so three different vineyards, but only from the hills. And the Ulysses is come from just a vineyard that is up in the hills. The hills are the, where I grow my vineyards are around uh, 200, 300, not too high. Okay. 
does the Ulysses have uh, see a little time on Oak? Yep, yep. Yeah. The difference between the other two is um, that Ulysses is come from uh, experiments. That's why it takes that name. Because for me, Ulysses, it's it means uh, uh, it's my analogical trick. Okay. Where uh, I changed my mind uh, so many times. <laughs> I did, a, did this experiment in 2017, and I used the oak, the French oak, is a um, old barrique that I used so many times. And that year, I used it for ferment and age the base wine. So the the blend is like that. The 20% of the uh, base wine did the fermentation, the aging in the in this uh, barrique, used barrique. Uh, and the 80% is just stainless steel tank. And I blend it and I do the second fermentation. The wine did four years with the lease. And I uh, degorged it and fill it with the same wine. So it's a padouze, so zero dosage. Okay. Um, the wine was crazy because, um, <laughs> like, I didn't expect that, really. Um, the wood give up the variety um, and unexpected and, and elegance. Um, is an, is, Durel is not an uh, aromatic variety. So it's very, um, you have to be careful to use the wood because if you use too much wood or oak, sorry, um, you have too much the oak smell. Right. And also in demand, so you got not, you know, it's not, um, it's not elegant. Right. But uh, with this percentage, was amazing and um and and it gives uh the the elegance to this sparkling wine which is i didn't expect so yeah okay i will make it again <laughs> well and we must say we must mention ulysses because he is your uh assistant <laughs> this is my all... cat. <laughs> <laughs> ulysses is her cat who yeah yeah on uh, Instagram, you will always see pictures of Ulysses. He is never far from her side. So he's much more famous than me. Yes, exactly. Yeah, everybody um, knows him. Yeah. And speaking of your labels and Ulysses' label, um, so can you tell us a little bit about why you decided to rebrand and maybe a little bit about your labels? Because I do think they're they're beautiful labels and they really do tell a story. And I know we can't see the labels right now, but I think even if you just share a little bit about your kind of thinking behind them, it would be interesting for people. Yeah, yeah. But on the on the website, you can see the label. So for because we are talking now about it, and I want to see that, that to show you know to people if they want to on the <laughs> vinitonello.com uh, website, you can see all the picture of the labels uh, so understand why I did uh, and I use their names. But uh, first of all, when I uh, take care of the family business in 2014. Um, my dad produced so many different kind of wines, um, uh, mostly come from the local varieties. But it, there was a confusion, you know. People don't know what actually Tonello was famous for. You know, oh, Tonello wine, what they do, like, uh, you know, what they make. Uh, it was uh, a little bit of a confusion about it. So the first three or uh, four years, I um, I travel a lot for you know find new importers, uh, new customers and stuff like that. So it was just me that um, did that trip. My dad is looking for the vineyard, so he don't care about uh, travel and, uh, and do this fair or speed tasting, wine tasting stuff like that. So um, in 2018 or actually 17, I just start from 2017. Uh, I decided to uh, 
give my style because at the end we see that the winery take my uh, face you know i yeah. became the brand ambassador something like that and my dad uh, loved to leave me everything so we <laughs> say okay do whatever okay do whatever and um uh, we start to uh, think about what we want to represent and i i am a little bit boring i was bored about the traditional uh, labels I love art a lot, and I always remember something. Um, like not only the label, but if I like the, uh, I don't know the, the um, I remember you know I remember the imaginings. My mind is full of imaginings, if I can say that. Um, so um, I love labels that are weird. And um, and people probably don't like it, but they remember it because they're weird. And if they like the wine in it, they remember it. So that was a thought. So at the end, um, I we want to we we have um, four uh, main wines that are that was the, they was the um, our main production. So there was our uh, two sparkling wines and two white wines come from the Durella and the and the Garganega, two only made from local varieties. So we decide to trust an hundred percent of our marketing face. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, to the um, local varieties. So we we made these four. Uh, we start with these four uh, wines, four as the four elements of the nature. So. Italian Wine Podcast. If you think you love wine as much as we do, then give us a like and a follow anywhere you get your pods. Water, wind, uh, soil, and sun. And uh, when we th- thought about oh, uh, what name we we will do, uh, we will give up this wine because uh, you know people remember much more the wines we, when they have. Uh, they names and I and I do a research research it in the Greek mythology the, that is a or another one of my passions and we find this name from uh, the name of the nymphs of Teti the nymph of the water out of the wind uh, Chloe was the nymph of the chill and Eos was the nymph of the sun and Chris because I love the name and I am a woman, and I am a woman maker. I was so hungry about people, dogs that was the wine maker. So I wanted to bring this because people want to know there is a Yeah. Sorry, it's just kind of cutting out a little bit there again. So I'll just give it a second to kind of maybe settle down. Yeah. <laughs> and I think. You have to stop me because when I start to... <laughs> yeah, no, it's just uh, maybe it's a little windy or something and the reception was just a little broken up there. So we'll hopefully it improves. Yeah. Well, what is lost? No, I think it's okay. We understood that you named them after the nymphs and the the four different names. And uh, I, yeah, I encourage everybody yeah. to, to check them out on the website because they... I think they also incorporate a lot of your personality into the actual art that is is used on them as well. Um, maybe yeah. we can talk uh, for a few minutes um, before we get to questions. Maybe you could tell us a little bit about how you kind of came to 
become the president of the consortium and what your experience has been um, in that position? Oh, it was, uh, it was weird because <laughs> it was the first time for our consortium, but a lot of consortium have this, uh, I can say, problem for uh, as a one of one of the smallest winery in the denomination to, you know, represent the consortium. And it's crazy how much um, colleagues or wineries will have. Um, and uh, I think this shows how much this denomination is made from people who believe in uh, this variety and in this area. And the, we are different producers, but a very group. So it doesn't matter how big or how, or how cooperative is a winery, but uh, because we are really unique, we, we speak the same um, language about our varieties. And uh, we actually love it so much because probably we are all volcanic people. So <laughs> we, we know that if we work together, we can do we can we can do better. So it was weird. Um, I I do have a lot of energy, but I'm not I'm not a politician person. So at the start, they say, okay, guys, I can do it, but I'm young, and I don't know everything about politics stuff. So you have you you have to teach me, and I will learn. So what I say, okay, I'm a young, I have the energy of a young person. But uh, I don't have the experience. So I took the experience from all the old guys that we have in our group or um, all the, uh, you know, my mentors and stuff like that. So I'm, I'm starting to learn about it a little bit. And I hope it, it works for the denomination because to show that there is um, a young ideas about that wines and the way that we communicate this variety, this wine, I think it will be good for being much more famous and also much more known, right. if I can say that. What are the what Again. are the challenges? What what do you find are the challenges for the Rallo, um wines in the market? Um, for my opinion, the biggest challenges is that uh, growing the production numbers um, to have the possibility to of being able to reach many markets, you know. But uh, um, I'm not talking about a lot, but uh, you know, um, a few million more because now we're made uh, actually a million bottle of the of sparkling wine as a denomination, and I think a few million more will be much more helpful for be much more known. Uh, but um, for me, uh, even more important is that being recognized um, as a sparkling wines, Italian sparkling wines, you know, when you think about the spa Italian sparkling wines, I want that the wine lovers think about our denomination. That's it's my challenge. Okay. And, and what, what are people's sort of reaction to um, the sparkling wine when they try it for the first time like when you're traveling in your role as winemaker or as president and you introduce people to those sparkling wines for the first time what yeah. comments do people have they actually say oh my god he's still young <laughs> or it tastes different because okay. you when you think about mostly traditional methods 
or champagne was method, you think about tasting wines come from mostly Chardonnay or Pinot Noir. And um, and when you taste Durella, it's a different taste because it's a different variety. So it's, it's not supposed to taste like the Chardonnay and the Pinot Noir. It's a different taste. Very intriguing for my opinion and very interesting. And I think people feel this difference and they love uh, how the wine is... Uh, it tastes young in the years of aging. When it when it does age, like what kind of flavors does it develop? Does it get any of those kind of like smoky, flinty kind of Riesling-like notes? Or how does it develop uh, in terms of aromas and flavors? Aromas? Oh, yeah. Um, it's, yeah, it's looking, uh, it's really close to the Riesling smell because during the aging, I think the uh soil aromas if i can say that come out okay because the, uh, when you work in a volcanic soil you have wine that are not ready the first two years okay after the vintage you must wait but uh is a soil that is very good for longevity and in the years also for the white wines also for white variety, is very good for have the hydrocarburic smell of the volcanic soil, for my opinion. And uh, for the Durella variety, I can say that it's much more balanced. The acidity, it, beca it, it became a cream in the mouth. So for the aromas, I can say that go, goes out the volcanic soil aromas. For the mouth, I can say that the acidity of the variety, it's much more creamy and um, I can say comfortable <laughs> because okay. at the start it's really hard and really hard to drink also. Okay. Really okay. strong. <laughs> so um, I know probably Stevie will come on in a few minutes. Just wondering if there's any questions, but I did want to ask you, um, you know, what's kind of next for, for you in terms of the, the Consorcio and also in terms of you at Tonello. Is there, you know, what's new and exciting for both of those? Oh yeah, I think the um, the target is the same. Like, I want to conquer the world. <laughs> um, I want to build good collaboration with importers, crazy like me, that who believe in me and in my wines. And it's the same for the consortium because I want to find the ambassadors around Italy and around the world that trust in this variety, that trust in this producer. And uh, that start to talking about it because they are um, they feel the the difference they feel the soul of this variety and this and this kind of uh, of area wine area. So I think is um, my rule at the end is to communicate this variety, okay. this to communicate this uh, this denomination. So I want to um, that people know. Um, much more, uh, and we start actually with W set a few years ago, but because we did in Soave a few lessons about Le Sinidurello uh, during the W set uh, uh, lessons, uh, if I can say that. Yeah, okay. So, great. starting like that, you know, uh, with the uh, incoming and, uh, um, and with um, uh, world trip with our wines and taking our volcanic rocks with us uh, and, uh, you know, let the, the people smell it and smell the hydrocarburic smell 
of the rocks and feel yeah. it and smell it also in the wines, I think it's very important. Well, you definitely, in the audience, you have some great wine educators, I can see from, you know, many places around the world. So I encourage any of them to reach out to you. And, you know, if they are interested in, you know, giving their students more information about Lathini and about Zorallo, I know that you're definitely there as a resource for them. So um, we'll make sure that we help them out if they're trying to get in touch with you for sure. Okay, I am 100% available for questions and materials and stuff like that. We got okay. everything. <laughs> okay, well, I'm going to I'm going to stop talking now, which is hard for me to do as well. <laughs> but uh, um, thank you so much for, for chatting with me. I'm going to turn um, things back over to Stevie so she can moderate some questions. Thank you so much. <laughs> I'm happy that you, you know, come, uh, like uh, you ask me, me questions and, you know, I'm happy that we are friends, actually. <laughs> oh, me too. Me too. I there, there is a question from Jamie here. Um, yeah. Jamie from Paris. Uh, love Jamie. Uh, he's got a great question. Um, he says, does climate change look like it's an advantage for your Appalachian? So, you know. We don't we don't like to talk about climate change being a, an advantage, I think, but you know there are certain areas that probably will find it much easier to kind of cope with those changes. So, yeah. you, do you want to respond to to Jamie's question there? Yeah, uh, actually, it's a great question, and thank you, Jamie, because um, yeah, um, this climate change is actually advantage our variety. Um, because, like, um, our, you know, my grandfather remember um, an acidity higher and higher than now, like, uh, mostly around 15, 14, and uh, not mature grapes, because in the past they have very different, uh, different um, summers, and because it's a late variety, it, it, was, it wasn't um, mature a lot so it was very unmature variety and very acid and undrinkable really but uh, in these years um, the climate change is helping us to having as I said much more mature grapes close to the uh, good, a good maturation and but um, for this characteristic of the variety uh, we still have a good acidity you know I, I prefer to have in 10 and 12 like 2021 you know I, I, I hate last year really much but um yeah uh, we, we we can sleep well with the climate change okay good all right stevie did you have that? yeah you know i always have questions so yeah so adiletta um i want to ask you some questions regarding your role um at the consortium Okay. So first of all, can you tell us, uh, let our audience understand the size um, and the volume of the consortium as a general? So how many producers do you represent and how many bottles do you um, um, produce and how many producers do both Metodo Classico um, or just Charmant? Like, can you give us just a very brief overview? Of course, of course. Um, um, as I said, we are between the Metrenza and Verona province, 
and we are in four valleys, Val d'Alpone, which is in Verona province, and three valleys in Vicenza, Val del Chiampo, Val dell'Agno and Valleugra. Uh, in total, uh, grow, uh, we got 400 hectares of Durella, mm -hmm. uh, that can be DOC, but uh, actually the denomination, so under the DOC, the producer made a million, mostly a little bit more than a million, but not too much, a million bottle of sparkling wine. And the 70% for now, in the last years, this, this are date, uh, you know, um, that is uh, about last years, 70% um, of the production, production is uh, Charmat method, the 30% of the production is traditional methods or Champenoise methods. Um, um, but uh, we saw that in the last four, four years, the, uh, in, the production of the traditional method is increased very fast, faster than the, the 10 years ago. Uh, so I think the um, winemakers are investing a lot with the Champenoise method because it costs a lot because you have to keep a lot of bottles for many years. And, um, and the denomination is mostly characterized uh, by um, vignerons or winemakers that have, they have not too much money to invest in the Champenoise method. That's why it takes a lot, for my opinion. And what are you, what are you personally producing, mostly? Sorry? Are you producing mostly um, traditional method? Yeah, I, I, I actually produce uh, 30,000 bottles per year as a small winery. <laughs> so, yeah, it's not too much. So how do you reconcile the, the challenges? Because on the one hand, you're, how many producers are there? We have uh, 35. Yeah, 35 producers um, making, producing fairly small amount of wines. And where are they distributed mostly? Mostly... Locally, right in the territory, like locally, yeah, they started a little bit uh, much more in Italy. Mm -hmm. A few wineries uh, distributed by a very good, a big distributor in Italy, uh, and uh, a few of that are exports. The Lessini Dorello Sparking Wine also, because they, they, a lot of producers are also made Soave or Valpolicella, so they have uh, customers that already uh, works good with the. Much more famous brand, uh, much more famous denominations. Mm -hmm. They also buy some some sparkling from the Sinidurello. But um, I think uh, for increase the number, um, we we need like that. Uh, not only the producer of this area trust in this variety, but also the producer of Verona and Vicenza, the trust in this area, and uh, you know. The famous denomination probably can help us to work together. Um, I can I can make an example. Um, in the last two years, we collaborate a lot with the Valpolicella Consortium uh, during the Opera Prima event presented the Amarone. And uh, during the um, dinner gala, uh, we offer our sparkling wines as an aperitivo for starting, you know, the night. And this collaboration is very helpful because we, they uh, invite a lot of. Uh, um, uh, wine speakers, wine importers, uh, journalists, and uh, um, and people like that. So uh, for us, it's very important to be close to the Valpolicella, for example. Um, 
or the swap as well. So I think this will be helpful for uh, increase the number. But it takes time. Yeah, so it's kind of, uh, you know, a 20, um, it, it's kind of a catch-22, right? Because on the one hand, you have small number of bottles. Um, you want to go more na international, if you will. But because you have such small number of bottles, it's you can't really create the demand and create the market, right? Yeah, that's why I want that the production is increased as a two or three million more. Mm -hmm. Time, if you think about the traditional method, of course, the, the Charmat is much more easy, but not too much because all the producers that made the Charmat, they do minimum three, six or 12 months of the second fermentation in the in the in the tank, so it's not too you know easy also for a charmat because it takes a little bit of time also for the charmat, not only for the champagne method. But I think uh, that's why you say that is a variety for the future, like uh, because I think in the future a lot of uh, small or particular importers are starting to looking for the Durella and uh, starting to. Uh, sell it in a good restaurants and good level restaurants not only in Italy but also in the most um, uh, much much more famous cities for I can say so when uh, let's say not an Italian wine expert necessarily but if a wine lover Italian wine lover asks you they ask you um, yeah. what is the difference between Turello uh, Franciacorta, Trento Doc, and Prosecco. How would you, where does Turello belong? Is it more to Prosecco or, or is it more to Franciacorta or is it the cousin of Trento Doc? Like, how would you position Durello amongst the sparkling wines of northern Italy? No cousins. <laughs> um, I think this variety is really um, unique. Probably it's close to the Trento, but just because Trento have. Uh, the freshness of the mountains. Mm -hmm. We are in an area that is under the Dolomites mountains, so um, we have the freshness in our area. Uh, but we do have a lot of uh, um, good characteristic for for be really unique because uh, the Glera is a uh, I, I can say completely different variety. Uh, just the color of the grapes are probably the same. Um, for for Franciacorta is completely different area we have uh, mostly hills or valley that are really um, full of water um, good wind uh, um, that's coming through and and, um, and for the volcanic soil uh, is uh, really particular uh, and so we do have uh, freshness and uh, and longevity so these are our, uh, these are our, our characteristics Okay. I think we do have one more question. Yeah, Sammy was asked, usually age their sparkling wines a long time on the on the lees. Um, but I think Deletta kind of answered that, that most of the production is still Charmat. Um, but it's slowly growing in terms of the people that are aging um, yeah. the bottle. Yeah, people are starting to aging the bottles uh, as a traditional method and usually and i can say the 90 percent of the wineries that made it the traditional method have the youngest one that is three years with the lease but a few wineries are made in two years with the lease or something like that 24 months 
because they are not using the um, millesimum. So they blend with the uh, older vintages, okay. you know, as a champagne style, if I can say that. And uh, so the, 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 the wine results much more mature after two years. But uh, yeah, are three or two years minimum, no less than two years as a traditional method. For the Shankmans, it's very interesting because um, a lot of producers do six or 12 months of the second fermentation in the tank, which is really interesting and is not... Oh, that's unusual. Mm, really unusual. Yeah. Listen, Duleta, one last question before uh, we go, then we'll close up the room. Um, what about the price points? How do the prices compare to Prosecco, in Franciacorta, in Trento Doc, for example. You asked me about the wine shop in Italy. Yeah, wine shops, yeah. Wine shops in Italy. Okay, um, as a Charmat, you find it around 8 to 12 euros. Mm-hmm. Um, from the classic method, so traditional method, sorry, um, because we mostly start from three years with the lease. Three years with the lease are mostly around 20, 24 Yes, uh, euros. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, the sixty months are mostly around uh, twenty-seven, thirty, or thirty-five, and much more year with the lease are around forty, fifty euros um, as a wine. Uh, for uh, the the white wines, which are very less production, are around uh, twelve or fifteen euros. So I mean, one, one, one more, one more. I promise this is my last one. So why would a wine lover choose Durello over Franciacorta or Trento Doc? What is the reason that you would give them? Because the price points are very similar. I think yeah, yeah. But um, I think you you are never be bored about the wines if you drink it. Um, it's really salty at the end, and you never be bored about it. And uh, have this power to clean your mouth at the end, so you can eat a lot of stuff and have a clean mouth. So you are never be bored about the wine. And if you actually forgot in your in your cellar because I don't know you got so many bottles, it's not a problem because it's good after the degaussement as well. So I think that's why it's very interesting and um, is a good wine for. Um, you know, for do a, a, a wine trip uh, with, the, with the sparkling, with the bubbles. I, I can say that, I, I always say that uh, there is um, not, not only a good pairing with this wine, but if you do a dinner with the full of Barolo, uh, after that, drink a, bo- a glass of uh, Lessini Durello sparkling wine and you will have uh, a clean month for go to sleep. <laughs> okay, that sounds good. All right, on that note, we're going to close. I'm going to thank you very much both, Andrea Ebby and Giletta Tonello. Laika, can you please come back up and tell us what's up next? So the next is going to be this Thursday. Uh, so we have Fanny. Um, she- Fanny! That French lady. We know her very well. <laughs> yes, uh, so she will be back and then she was, she's going to interview Elena Pantaleoni of La Stopa Winery. Oh, excellent. Looking forward to that. Very good. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right, people. That's it. I'm signing off. You can all go home and enjoy your evening. Ciao, ragazzi. Buona serata. Alla prossima. Sniff. 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 Sniff.
pens. Once again, here we go. Swirl, sniff, sip, spit. While you drink, don't forget these tasting tips. Listen to the Italian Wine Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. We're on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Himalaya FM, and more. Don't forget to subscribe and rate the show. If you enjoy listening, please consider donating through italianwinepodcast.com. Any amount helps cover equipment, production, and publication costs. Until next time, cin cin.